Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome everybody, it's Eddie Trunk here and it's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday, podcastone.com and of course iTunes. And to those of you who are listening in the US and you are listening on the day this posts, you know that it is Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to all of my fellow Americans on this Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Hope you're having a good one if you're listening to this after Thanksgiving, which is probably the case because maybe you're not listening to podcasts and doing the family thing on uh, Thanksgiving, which you should be. Well, hope you had a good one. And we settle in for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is coming to you, uh, this open at least, is coming to you from Riviera Maya, Mexico, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I am at the Hard Rock in Riviera Maya, Mexico, where I am in the home stretch of my tour with Deep Purple. It has been an unbelievable experience touring around the country of Mexico, flying privately with the band. I've had so many amazing experiences, and I'm doing something that Deep Purple has not allowed anyone to do in about 35 or 40 years, and that is introduce them on stage. I was talking to the guys about that. They had some bad experiences with some people acting uh, ridiculous on stage before them. And they just decided a long time ago that they just didn't want anybody on stage before they play, which I understand. I've seen some people act a little ridiculous in stage intros, to be honest with you. So, but then they realized it was me and they know me and they trust me. And they said, yeah, why don't you go ahead and do it? And it was a tremendous honor. And I'm actually bringing them on in the sense that I'm introducing each member as they walk out on stage and then introducing the band as they start up playing Highway Star behind me. Well, I mean, just an unbelievable unbelievable jolt that is for me just surreal for me just did it a couple nights ago in a huge arena in mexico city and just really an unbelievable charge and the guys have been so cool to me i've had ian pace ian gillen and steve morse all on my radio show if you've been listening to it on the Sirius XM volume daily show that I have been doing most days from Mexico, I'll get you that audio up as a podcast probably next week. Always have to wait a couple weeks from when it originally airs on the radio show before I bring it to you here on the podcast, but I will get it up for you sometime in the very near future. And um, again, this whole thing has been incredible. We've There's been a couple show cancellations. The show this past Tuesday was canceled in Merida, Mexico. So that has given us uh, an extended stay here in Cancun in the Cancun area which isn't necessarily a bad thing I'm at the Hard Rock in Riviera Maya second time here I was actually here not long ago shooting an episode of my access show Trunk Fest uh, for the Zach Brown band who do their annual getaway 
and take this whole place over. So I didn't expect to be back here. I had no idea that this was going to be where they would be putting us up prior to Deep Purple show. So I've got a long week off here at a beautiful resort. Uh, still doing my radio stuff during the week, and it's been uh, you know really cool to be able to have this time here. And uh, you know the only thing that sucks is obviously Thanksgiving and my first Thanksgiving not with my family, but work is work, a gig is a gig, and this is one of the best gigs you could ever have, quite frankly, having this great opportunity for Deep Purple, who just sound amazing. They really do. It's at their age, it's incredible how good they still sound. And, you know, depending upon who you talk to in the band, you don't know when they're going to exactly end. They seem very conflicted about that, but they do know that now in their mid-70s, the, the time is near. But they're also talking about maybe doing another record, so so who knows? Uh, we'll see, but they are sounding really, really good, and this has been a tremendous honor for me. Also, shout out to the band uh, opening In Flames, real good guys. Been spending some time with them as well here on the road. Interesting pairing. I don't know if a pairing like that would work in the U.S., but it certainly did work and has been working here uh, throughout Mexico. And the Mexican fans, shout out to them, just incredible. I've been doing meet and greets before every show, just tons of people coming out to meet me. And uh, it, you know what? It's really cool too, because I'm not charging anything for the meet and greets, nothing for anything signed or photos with me. I'm giving everybody stickers. And uh, the, the look on people's faces are pretty priceless when you tell them it's absolutely free, you know, for a meet and greet or a photo. So people are so used to, uh, you know, charged meet and greets these days. So that's been a lot of fun to do as well. And the fans have been phenomenal. So I'm finishing up the week here. And then uh, after that, I finally get home on Sunday for a very brief couple of days before heading to Los Angeles for a few days because March, I'm sorry, March, uh, November 29th is the next Trunk Nation LA invasion came up kind of quick. In case you haven't been following along, I've been doing a daily, or I'm sorry, a monthly live radio show from the Rainbow in LA, totally free to get into it. It's live from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time on Sirius XM 106 volume, where my daily show is heard and where these interviews you hear are courtesy of. And uh, the next one is the 29th, Thursday, November 29th, free to get in. If you're in LA, come down and join me again, 6 to 8 We've had amazing guests. This time will be no exception. And that is the next one. So hope to see you guys. Heck, that is uh, coming up soon already. What a week from today, if you're listening on post day. The 29th, the next Trunk Nation LA Invasion live from the Rainbow in LA. Again, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. If you're not in the LA area, listen to all the action on Sirius XM, which, by the way, is in the middle of its free listening period. So if you don't if you're not a subscriber to SiriusXM, you can hear it free right now. If you're, if you have a radio and it's turned off, it is active. And you can also grab the app if you don't have a radio or go online and listen totally free. So a good chance for you to sample Trunk Nation, which is heard on volume channel 106, Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, on the replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and on demand on the SiriusXM app. So a great way to sample that for a limited time, free to all on SiriusXM satellite radio across America and Canada. So a couple more days left on this tour. And then, like I said, I fly home from Cancun on Sunday and then back at it on Monday and then head to L.A. I'll get out there on Wednesday night, spend a couple of days before coming back home. And then from there, home for a little bit and then to Tulsa, for December 8th, the IDL Ballroom, LA Guns. Hope you join me there if you're in Tulsa. My final trip to Tulsa for the year, a place that I go so often and always a lot of fun. LA Guns and Junkyard on the bill too. Should be a blast. Come on out if you're in that area of the country. All my appearances, as usual, are on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Please follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Eddie Trunk. Facebook is a fan page. And be sure to check that one out. I do post on that from time to time as well. So today we have an interview for you with Steve Whiteman and Mark Schenker of the band Kicks. It's a band that got back into action again, I want to say about 10 years ago now. 
And they had not existed for a while and then finally got back into it. And they have been playing relentlessly, really, ever since they started. They made a new studio record a few years ago. They have a uh, live DVD that came out not too long ago. And now they are celebrating the 30th anniversary of what was really their big breakthrough album, Blow My Fuse. They did something pretty unique with this. Instead of just putting out the obligatory remaster with maybe a bonus track or two, they actually went in and had the album remixed. And I don't think a lot of people know the difference between remixing and remastering a record. When you remaster a record, you can do some stuff to the EQ, you can do some stuff to the overall sound, add some bass. There are adjustments you can make to the sound of the record, but you can't do anything too, too radical. When you remix something, you can radically alter uh, the way that the, uh, the record sounds. You can do a lot more to it in terms of pulling it apart and changing the overall sound of the record. So Kicks have actually remixed the record. Bo Hill, one of their former producers, actually did that along with the help of the band's current bass player, Mark Shanker. It's given the record a totally fresh punch to it, and you'll hear that if you pick it up, and it is now available. So we talk a little bit about that, the history of the record, the history of the band. Steve Whiteman doing most of the talking in the beginning of this interview simply because Mark Shanker was not in the band when this album was recorded. Uh, Kicks is four-fifths original, with the exception of the band's bass player, Donnie Purnell, who is not in the band anymore, and Mark Shanker has replaced him, but Mark had a lot to do with the reissue of this record, so he's involved in this conversation as well. He comes into it a little bit later on after we cover some of the history. But um, great band, great friends. I see them so often every year at M3, all the time on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Just hosted them in Tulsa not very long ago at the IDL as well. Great bunch of guys, and they're still really, really good. They're a band that really still has it dialed in, takes a lot of pride in their live performances, and has a great, great reputation because of it. So get ready for some time with Steve Whiteman, an original member of Kicks, and Mark Schenker, who is a newer member of Kicks ever since they reunited, but a very, very important piece of that puzzle and an important part in the role of reissuing and remixing the Blow My Fuse special edition, which has just come out. So stand by. That interview is coming up on the Eddie Trunk Podcast next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive that can be. Muscle cramps, they can jolt you out of a sound sleep or interrupt your daily life. Well, listen carefully because I recently learned about TheraWorks Relief. I've used it. It's great. It does work. It's a non-greasy foam that's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can actually help prevent muscle cramps before they start. So you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief, it only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly and it works. People absolutely love the results. You maybe saw Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief. And many of my colleagues on radio are also talking about TheraWorks Relief. Now... The holiday season, it's right around the corner. So if you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps or muscle soreness, can't think of a better gift than making them feel better with TheraWorks Relief. It is the choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours too. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Sometimes in your life, you need to hit the reset button. And Life Reboot on Podcast One's got you covered. It's time for you to live your best life. And hosts Leah Messer, Lindsay Riley, and Brian Scott are here to give you the tools you need to empower yourself and live life to the fullest. And when you're in a place of self-worth, that's when you don't feel that need to kind of put people down and to judge other people for where they're at. It's kind of just like, this isn't right for my life. Check out Life Reboot every Wednesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, everybody. Thanksgiving is finally here, and Podcast One Sportsnet is your home for the best football podcast to help you kick off your Turkey Day games. Get all your favorite football chatter from the biggest names in football, including Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, Jim Harbaugh, Ross Tucker, R.J. Bell, the Underdog Network, and more. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us here at Podcast One, and check out these great shows every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, it's Eddie Trunk, and now it's time to get into it. Our interview with Steve Whiteman and Mark Schenker of Kicks on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Steve, how are you, brother? I'm great, Eddie. Nice to hear from you. You too. And also joining us, a guy who's been a very important part of the Kicks story, including the reissue of their breakthrough album, Blow My Fuse. Played bass in the band ever since they relaunched, and that is bassist Mark Schenker. What's going on, Mark? I'm good, Eddie. Good to hear your voice. You too, man. You too. Um, so, look, Steve, how the hell did 30 years go by so quick? What the hell's going on here, man? We, we're not supposed to age like this. <laughs> it sucks, doesn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> it's mind-boggling that, that much time can go by, and you, you still feel the same. I mean, I still feel like I'm 30 and jumping around like an idiot, but uh, but you look in the mirror and go, oh, no, you're not 30 anymore. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what, man? To your credit, and we've talked about this, and I think you even wrote about it. It might have even been in the live set that came, the live DVD that came out not too long ago. Where you—that's something that's not just a coincidence with you. That's something you really work at to still look that way and have that energy. You put a lot of work in uh, to doing that, right? Yeah, I do. I do, and uh, and it pays off. It allows me to hit the stage and and do what I did thirty years ago at that same energy level and sing the same way. So. Yeah, but it's worth it. I, I know I, I heard some of your interviews with Sammy Hagar and, and what he does to keep his voice going, and, and I'm like, I can identify with that 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's guys, I mean, there's there's you know guys like Sammy and guys like Glenn Hughes and Steven Tyler and Robin Zander and yourself certainly in that category, though, although I don't think, you're, you know, you're not quite the age that some of those guys are that are still – bulletproof and can still do it remarkably well and it's it's i find it inspirational to feel like man you can still you can be in your early 70s and still be that good i think it's pretty pretty inspirational to me absolutely i i, I have nothing but respect for jagger and and paul mccartney is still out there just doing two and a half hour shows and killing it uh it, it's amazing and like you say inspiring yeah, and those two guys would certainly be the uh, the benchmarks, without a doubt. It would be ridiculous not to mention them. So we're talking about 30 years since Blow My Fuse, which was a breakthrough album for Kicks after an, a number of records on Atlantic Records. Um, Steve, you know, and Mark, we'll get to your role in all this in a second, but Steve, take us to the back to the time. Like, you know, Kicks had how many records before Blow My Fuse? By my count, was there three? Yes, there were three. So Blow My Fuse was the fourth record. Um, I don't know if a band would get four swings at it with a major label today. You guys right. did, going into making this record and not having broken through on the first three records. You came a little close on Midnight Dynamite, but didn't get over the hump. Take us to the mindset. Was there a certain degree of pressure going in to make this record? Um, we We always felt like... The, the fan base was growing, and it was all through our own hard work. It really got very little cooperation from Atlantic Records. It was just our our never-say-die kind of attitude. So, you know, we could go to New York and to Boston and South Carolina and Florida, and we just saw our crowd growing and getting bigger. So we would always sell enough records to keep Atlantic re-upping for the next album. So um, we really felt that we had one on, on uh, Midnight Dynamite. Bo Hill did an amazing job on that record. We were real happy with it. Thought this is the one. And when it didn't go over, uh, to say we weren't disappointed would be a, a huge understatement. So, but with our Never Say Die uh, attitude, we decided to start using the money that we made on the East Coast and start going out west. Start hitting Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, uh, Houston. Made, we made our way out to LA. So we pretty much did our own tour support. And we really feel that that helped set up the fourth album, that, that we got enough word out that people knew who we were in the major cities across the country. And we, we thought that had a lot to do with it. And obviously going in and making this, did you was the mentality amongst the band going into the studio, was this sort of make or break? Did you feel that if this one didn't happen, then you might have lost your deal? Or did you, you know, what, 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 was, the, what was the feeling there? Yeah, I don't think anybody ever said it out loud, but I think had that record not done anything, I think that would have been the end of the band. 
Wow, that's incredible. And talk about the material coming together on this record. I mean, it, it you, you've been uh, – the one guy that's not in Kicks is Donnie, the bass player, who was the, the chief songwriter in the band. But although you have a couple credits on here as well, Steve, I thought it was pretty interesting – in, in looking this over that, and I don't recall prior to this, if you had written with outside songwriters, but was that something that was decided by the band and Donnie, or was that something that Atlantic said to you, Hey, you're going to work with some other people because we need some, we want to, we want some outside voices on these songs. I, I sort of pressured Donnie into, into having me involved in the songwriting because uh, truth be told, I did leave the band after, after midnight dynamite for several days. I'd had, I'd had enough of, of the inner workings of how things were done. And I just said enough. So I, I left and let him stew for about, about a week and then decided to come back. And, you know, um, I, I wanted to get his attention because he was just getting too overpowering. And, and, and I insisted on being a part of the songwriting. So uh, that's how I got involved in the songwriting. He, he really just wanted to control the whole, the whole thing. And to that end, I mean, looking down the credits, I mean, you have a piece of two songs on here, but it wasn't like you came in and here's the lead singer taken over by any stretch. No way. <laughs> no, I was lucky to get those two, believe me. And he ended up writing with some other people. I mean, some people that have written successful songs for others, people like Taylor Rhodes and things like that. Were you involved in those decisions or was the la- did, they, did the label plug those guys in or was that Donnie reaching out to those guys? That was mainly the label and management, plugging Donnie in with those people. And, um, you know, I can't take anything away from the songwriter. And when he collaborated with those people, the music that they come up with was, was amazing. So, you know, we were we were always proud of the writing and, and the performing of the music, but uh, there were just some things that were hard to deal with in that band. Yeah, and I mean, you just touched on it, and I mean, it's no secret you've talked about this before. Donnie wants nothing to do with kicks and, and has been was extremely difficult every step of the way. That's some of the things you've told me in the past. Um, since you guys have been back together and been so successful with the things you're doing and doing things like a 30th reissue of Blow My Fuse, has there been any dialogue with him about any of this? None. I think the only time we even heard anything from his camp was uh, when we all – signed up for sound exchange uh, you know, wonderful people who actually get people like us money for the first time in our lives so uh, he had to be a part of that because of you know being part of the songwriting team but uh, other than that nothing so totally off the grid and not involved in any of this in any way Nope, nope. Haven't heard from him, and and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Me well, too. Well, I'm sure Mark is too, because yeah, Mark's yeah. been the bass player in the band since you guys got. And Mark, we're going to get to you. Obviously, I want to talk about the original creation of this record, so we're in in the in, in the history mode. But trust me, we're going to bring Mark into this conversation in a second. But Steve, take us through then your memories of Blow My Fuse being released initially, because the record comes out. Did it? I remember Cold Blood, which one still to this day one of my favorite kick songs and i remember that being a, a staple on mtv and those the the call and request shows so tell me did but i don't remember if the record took off from the minute it hit or it was a slow build take us through that it was a slow build we were getting a lot of uh airplay on mtv but i think what really got uh, the record company's attention was when it blew up at a station in kansas and it's like, what? Kicks is getting airplay in Kansas? They, they get airplay in Baltimore and New York and blah, blah, but they never got any airplay in Kansas. So that's when they pushed their magic button, and it seemed like things started to roll, and, and video budgets were, were getting larger, and plans for touring started to come around. So I really give credit to the good people of Kansas for helping break us. Yeah, and of course, anybody that knows anything about Kicks, you know, like you guys have such a very passionate fan base. So I would think that the the start of MTV doing an actual request show where people called in, having a fan base like Kicks, that was very advantageous because your your base, I'm sure, was really energized to get you guys on there. Absolutely, and so was my mother. <laughs> <laughs> But you know that but that's not that's not an exaggeration. I mean, I know for a fact, you know, I worked for a label that was distributed by Atlantic at that at the time that this mm-hmm. record came out. And I don't know how many people know this, but I know in our office and Atlantic and a lot of record labels around the country, they would hire 
uh, not hire, but they would recruit kids to come in to a a phone room after school and whatever the quote-unquote priority was that week would be a room full of kids just dialing that same request number over and over saying, uh, you know, if they were told to ask for, for cold blood, just keep saying cold blood and get through as many times as you can. That's true. That's all true. And you wanted – the problem is a label like Atlantic, the week Blow My Fuse was out, may have had six albums. You wanted to find out or your manager would want to find out if you were the one that the label was telling those kids to ask for. So. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean I have to give our fan base a whole lot of credit too because like you say, we had a rabid fan base and from uh, from Boston to, to North Carolina. I mean we – I think those people just peppered the phone lines and, and – um, it, it definitely worked because I think they had to they had to redo the rules to to put a time limit on how long a band could be on the the countdown. And then, of course, Cold Blood is it does real well, but I don't know if anybody saw. And we, you know, talk about outside writers. Uh, don't close your eyes was co-written by a, a guy named Bob Halligan Jr. who had a, he wrote stuff for Priest and a lot of other uh, bands around that time. Tell me about Don't Close Your Eyes coming. Did you guys, when you recorded that, did you feel like it was going to be the band's biggest hit? Was it? It, it, it wasn't planned for that to come out as, as as a single, as the story goes in the booklet, right? Right. Um, I mean, we just we always Donnie always wrote these really great ballads, and we thought you know, that's... Oh, we lost Steve for a second. Hey, Mark. I hope Hello? you know this, Steve. You back with us? Steve. Yeah, I, I never left. <laughs> you, you dropped out on us for a minute. You le- we lost you at oh. Donnie always wrote these ballads. Yeah, Donnie wrote these ballads, and and uh, we never really wanted to be a a ballad band. But uh, during that period, it seemed like radio was just so hung up on playing just classic rock or the power ballads by the harder rock bands. So that was never our intention for that to be the biggest song of our lives, but it turned out to be. And when you guys toured in support of Blow My Fuse, it was with, uh, you, was it your own headline dates and then you went out? What what tours did you go out supporting some people? T- talk about the touring for the record. We started out in our van just going out a- a- across the country. I believe we started in Los Angeles after we recorded the record. We started out there and worked our way back home. And, and by the time we got home, things were starting to take off. And the first real arena tour that we got was the Rat Tour. It was Rat and uh, Brittany Fox. And you guys were you guys in the opening slot on that? Yeah, we were the opening slot, and we and we loved every minute of it. And did you finally start to make some money at this point? Hell no, I've never made any money. <laughs> <laughs> Who makes money? Who needs money? <laughs> so here you are, two big hit videos on MTV, on tour with Rat, and you're still you're still not living large. No, we're making five hundred a week, and we're paying road uh, road managers like fifteen hundred a week. And I'm like, oh, uh, something's wrong here. I, I'm, uh, I think the balloon man made more money than I did. <laughs> uh, that's. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but I laugh because no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because the the the. And I talk about this all the time with my audience. The perception from an audience is a band has a major label record deal. They're on a major tour. They're on MTV. They got to be living like you know P Diddy in the in the in the with the mansion and the yacht. And the reality is often very different. Well, the reality was we we were on our fourth album, and the other three hadn't paid for themselves. So when you make a record in New York City, you make a record in Miami, another one in New York City, then your fourth one in Los Angeles that creates quite a tab and you can never uh you know get out of that kind of a massive debt so we we didn't really feel like we were going to make money from actually selling records but we hoped that we would get enough to um to sell a lot of merch and and to do shows on our own which we did and we made more money that year than we ever made in our lives but it never made it to my pocket and steve i'm going to throw a word out there that will probably make you cringe right now and give you a nightmare back to that day the word recoup Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the, that was the word every major record label. Well, you're not recouped. You're not recouped, yeah. meaning you didn't yeah. pay back the money we we spent we lent you to promote the record that we're going to make the money from selling. <laughs> you know what? Something else about when uh, they there was also a clause in our contract with with Midnight Dynamite. If it went gold, that we would be, get like a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Well, it went gold, but they come back and said, well, it was in the cheap bins by that time, so it doesn't count. Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the the discounted rate deal. Yeah. 
how did kicks how did kicks get the record deal initially with Atlantic, Steve? We sent out. Um, we went into a studio, and made a four-song demo, and sent out to every record label that would that would listen to it. And we got denied by every one of them. Or everybody said no. So then we made this live board tape. We had a great sound man, and we just made a live board tape that showed what we did live, and it was just all of our originals. And um, Atlantic Records bit, and and they flew an A and R guy down to Washington D.C. or Waldorf, Maryland, actually below D.C. And he had us up doing a showcase in front of the president of Atlantic the next week, and he signed us. And you know, a lot. Woohoo! <laughs> Here we go. And you yeah, know, yeah. you talk about having a great sound guy. One of the elements, and this, and we'll bring Mark into this. Actually, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and if you guys can hold, then we'll come back, and we're going to bring Mark Shanker into the story because there is a 30th anniversary edition of Blow My Fuse called Kicks Reblown. Fuse 30, and that is available now, and I think it's really interesting what you guys have done with this record, as opposed to just putting it out in a, in a remastered edition, the usual record. You've, you've gone further than that, and I want to talk a little bit about that, which is where Mark's role comes into this, who of course is the current bass player in the band and has been for a number of years. Again, the record's out now. We'll talk more about it. We'll talk more about this special edition. Let's hit a break. We'll come back with more with Mark Schenker and Steve Whiteman of Kicks right after this. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, Pluto TV. I've told some friends about this. They can't believe it. They can't believe it actually works. It's actually free. Pluto TV, it's the leading streaming television service that's totally free. Yep, it is free. You heard me right. You can watch over 100 channels. And thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV, they never ask for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch it for free. Pluto TV, it's the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Just download Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Pluto TV, it's the leading free streaming television service. Watch over a 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all for free. No credit card is needed. No sign-up. Pluto TV, it's the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today. It's Thanksgiving season, and Podcast One is your home for the best cooking podcasts around. Get a helping of celebrity chef Rick Bayless on The Feed. Back that was a lot of food. There was a lot of food. With a side of Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast. You want the okra dusted. Then top it off with a slice of Richard Blaze on Starving for Attention. This is uh, a crucial part of a hot dog, right? Happy Thanksgiving, and enjoy The Feed, Forked Up, and Starving for Attention each week on Podcast One, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive they can be. Muscle cramps, they can jolt you out of a sound sleep or interrupt your daily life. It's happened to me. Trust me, folks. I know. Listen carefully because I recently learned about TheraWorks Relief. It's a non-greasy foam. It's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they even start. So you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief. It only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it works. People love the results. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief, and many of my colleagues on radio are also talking about TheraWorks Relief. Now the holiday season is around the corner, so you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps or muscle soreness can't think of a better gift than TheraWorks Relief. It's a great choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it your choice. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Steve, you said in the booklet, and there's some of these are scanned in here, that you guys used to get a lot of notes, handwritten notes from fans, and you scan some and put those in the package. Uh, talk a little bit about that. 
Now, that was Mark's idea. I, I think Ronnie might have held on to some of that stuff. He used to take care of the fan mail back in the day. And uh, when the band split, Ronnie took those those demo tapes that, that were included in this package, and I believe he had the uh, – all the all the letters that were sent concerning you know thank you for that song blah 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 so credit Ronnie and and Mark for that one. Well, Mark, let's bring you into the conversation here. You joined Kicks in what year? Uh, two thousand three. I think we played our first gig at Thunderdome in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow, that's that's nuts too. You've been in the band fifteen years. It's just so yeah, crazy. It's a long time. Now, I remember for years I would talk to Steve and have him on my radio shows, and Steve would not go and anywhere near Kicks and would not use the name Kicks and you and would have the band Funny Money. So, Mark, you were with Steve in Funny Money, right? Yeah, I was with Steve in Funny Money, and he, I was in bands that warmed up for Kicks back in the day, and I was good friends with uh, good friends with Ronnie and knew Steve pretty well, and so when he needed a bass player, he uh, rang my number, I guess, and then here I am. So were you, I know Steve was pretty adamant at that point to not do kicks again and continue to work funny money, but where were you, Mark, were you in his ear to kind of say, hey, we can do this, we should maybe do kicks again, or talk about, both of you guys talk about that decision, because that's a huge decision. Well, I think it was more a a matter of opportunity. I mean, opportunity presented itself, and and everybody's wheels started turning. I I didn't really want to push the boat in any particular direction just be sort of being the outsider and the new guy or whatever but they 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 really it, it seemed like they really wanted to do it because there was some nostalgia and you know it felt differently to them without uh without having donnie there and so they you know there was a some nostalgia there and they were finding joy in some of those reunion shows we were doing and so so that when you know when those things start to add up you, you really can't stop that kind of forward momentum Steve, what was your thought process at that time? Because I remember vividly talking to you a number of times, and it was, no, funny money is what I'm doing. Talk about where that shifted for you. Uh, like Mark just said, I mean, I was really happy doing funny money. I finally got the freedom to write songs and to, and to play them in front of people. And when Mark had joined Funny Money, the band had already been together like five or six years. And so at that point, I come to the conclusion that I can't just go out and play a bunch of songs that nobody knows. So I started doing um, like half kicks, half funny money stuff. And that's about when Mark got into the pictures. So when uh, Ronnie's band, uh, Blues Vultures, used to open for funny money. So now we had like three kicks members. Then he had Jimmy come in and play drums for him once in a while. So then <laughs> we, we, stole we, Jimmy. We, 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 just, we did this little impromptu little kicks encore. And it just, you know, it just sparked ideas, and we all loved it, and promoters heard, heard about it. And that's what sort of got the whole ball rolling. So you guys are like, you're all sort of hovering around the same nest. You're like, why the hell we just don't pull it all together and go do this? Well, even, even yeah. then, I was, I was reluctant to get back into it because, like I say, I was enjoying Funny Money. I, I liked doing that, even though it was a low-level, you know, little 200-seat clubs, but I was enjoying it. I loved the people that I was playing with in the band. Um, but the, the offers just kept coming in. And then when Sullivan Big got involved, that, that's when it really exploded, and that's when we really saw the, the potential. Who is your booking agent, for those that don't know. So, so, Mark, tell me about your role in this. Obviously, you had nothing to do with the creation of this record. It was well before your time in the band. But you have a lot to do with the process of putting out a special edition and re- having this record remixed. I've talked about this with my audience a lot of times. Sometimes fans don't really know what the difference is between remastering, remixing. How different is it going to be? Is it worth buying? You, you guys really went in and went to work on this and put a lot of work into really changing and beefing up in a lot of regards the sound to the original record. So take us through that decision to do that versus just a straight remaster and what exactly you did here. Well, originally, it, this idea sort of spawned from Jimmy and I had been wanting to do Walking Away off of Midnight Dynamite. And um, we were like, okay, so what are we going to do with all these keyboards? We're obviously not going to put keyboards on stage and nobody's going to play them. So let's see if we can't figure out how to program them. And that quickly went by the wayside when we found out that we could get a hold of the master tapes from Atlantic. So uh, through our record label and through Madeline Scarpola, who, who is the GM of Loud and Proud Records, she was able to get the uh, one song done 
pulled out of the vault of Atlantic and it was walking away and I'd actually sent it to Bo Hill and had him mix it and work on it. And he was just over the moon looking at his old notes from, you know, 35 years ago or however long it's been. And, and so that's sort of that getting a hold of that master tape with the original uh, multi-track recordings was pretty darn easy. And so that got my wheels turning and I was like, okay, so and then we decided not to do walking away ultimately, but, um, you know, the sounds were there and getting the tape, the process of getting the tapes was so easy that I started thinking about, man, what if I got a hold of, because they're in the same vault, the Blow My Fuse tapes are right on the shelf next to the Midnight Dynamite tapes, right? So I thought, what if I could get a hold of the Fuse tapes to get those transferred to digital and get Bo to remix Blow My Fuse? And so I just started asking questions and, and Madeline started putting in queries to WEA, Warner Electric Atlantic, to try to, to get those tapes, see how much it would cost, and then see how much it would cost for licensing to get to put out a, a real remixed reissue. And then when I asked Bo about uh, if he was interested, and in, in, I couldn't even finish the sentence before he said, you know, when are you going to send me the hard drive? You know, he, he just could not get out of his own way. He was so, so excited to work on it. And then you know, obviously the proof is in the pudding. You've heard it, and it sounds amazing. Well, but that's but, how it came to be. That was where the idea came from. It was just the the smoothness of being able to lay my hands on those original tapes. Which isn't always an easy thing to do. Sometimes the, the labels can't find them. Sometimes they don't want to license them. Sometimes they don't want to work with you on it. Sometimes they don't want to give it to you. They don't want to help you in any way because they own the master. So it sounds like... You know, after Steve sort of alluding to the fact that for decades ago, Atlantic was largely unsupportive of the band, it sounds like in 2017 or 2018, they kind of stepped up a little bit. Yeah, they they were really just like, you know, it's it's sort of like going to the store and asking, you know, where the milk is. They were like, oh, it's right over here. You know, they were very nonchalant about it. And they they weren't nonchalant when they presented the bill, but they oh. were about getting a hold of the tapes. They, um, so it was it was super easy, and they were so nice about it, and and super helpful, and they did exactly what I wanted, and 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 did it the way you know it had to be done a certain way, and uh, they did it, they just did everything right, and they made it easy for us. And what's interesting here is you mentioned Bo Hill. Now Bo Hill, a noted producer throughout the '80s and beyond, and as you know, the Rat Records, so many great Winger, so many great sounding records. I, I'm not sure how active he is still today, and we'll, we'll, I'll ask you that in a second, but Bo Hill did the previous record to Blow My Fuse. He did Midnight Dynamite. He did not do Blow My Fuse originally. The producer on that record was Tom Worman, who also had a huge string of success in the 80s, and was actually on this radio show a couple weeks ago, as a matter of fact, talking about the anniversary of Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue, which he produced. So... um Steve, maybe going back to you, talk a little bit about working with Worman and the decision to bring in Bo Hill, who also had nothing to do with the original version of the record, to to kind of put a fresh coat of paint on it. Well, we loved making the record with with Bo. Um, every it was just it was the most fun record that we ever made in our lives, and Bo was incredible. And unfortunately, at the end of that record, there was a falling out between Bo and Donnie, or I'm sure Bo would have been right in line to do uh, Blow My Fuse. So. He was out as far as Donnie was concerned, and uh, the record label strongly um, recommended Tom Worman. And believe me, there were battles all through that record, too. <laughs> so it was not smooth sailing when, with Worman making this record? Um, I, I, I guess in the beginning it was, but the, um, um, the way that he worked wasn't really what Donnie liked, and uh, um, you know, tempers flared at times, and and I was surprised when, when we went back and did uh, Hotwire with him. But uh, he made a good record. And he also, Tom, to me, was, was, was a good A&R guy. He knew good music. He knew when something was about to break and when the label was about to really get behind it. And he always surrounded himself with really good engineers, uh, really smart, really talented people that uh, made him look really good. And these days, Tom Worman, I don't know if you know this, because, again, I just had him on this show. He's out of the music industry, and he owns – he him and I think his wife run and own a bed and breakfast in, uh, in uh, I think, in New England or something. I wish – if you if I'd have called in that day, I would have asked him, who's the most difficult artist you ever worked with? <laughs> Why, would he, have said, would right he have said – would he have said Donnie Purnell? All in a heartbeat, without <laughs> without a blink. <laughs> 
<laughs> they just were they just button heads or what was going oh, on there? It's 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 petty stuff. It really is. I mean, we would just roll our eyes and they let's just make a damn record. Just you know, if there were people in the studio that Donnie didn't like, it, it would it would cause a war. It was just it was just silly petty stuff and and. Um, there, there were disagreements on some of the arrangements and the way he did things, but, uh, you know, everybody just persevered and, and we're really proud of the record when it was done. Uh, take us through then Mark, if you will, so you reach out to Bo, Bo wants to get involved in this. And then the process is you're going to go in and you and Bo are going to remix this thing and, and really, you know, beef it up. What was the, what was the goal in making the reissue of blow my fuse different than, you know, because look, I found this and I've, I've experienced this countless times. As musicians, you hear things in these older records that you're like, man, I'd love to change. I'd love to, that bothers me and what have you. As fans, we live and love and all we know is that original recording. So it's it's a very tricky sort of thing because you want to change some stuff, you want to alter some things, but it, you're dealing with to the fans that lived with that record for 30 years, all those things that you might like not like about it, the fans may love, and it's not an issue to them. So it's a bit of a slippery slope. Talk about your approach as to what you wanted to do and what the band wanted to do uh, 30 years later to this record. Well, I took, you know, I was kind of in a unique position because I was friends with Ronnie back when they were doing Midnight Dynamite. And so during that time, Ronnie had given me a cassette tape that had all of the demos that ended up on Blow My Fuse. So I used to ride around in my car listening to that, that demo disc that's included in this package, which is one of the reasons why it's there even. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember that, that those demos sounded incredible. They were great, and they were just fantastic. And, you know, they had done spent so much time on them and, and, you know, getting the arrangements together and getting the sound together. And, and I had gotten to know those demos, you know, as a fan before I even heard the record. And when the record came out, it really wasn't that much different than the demos. And that's evidentiary on the package there. You can listen to them and compare and, and you know, you can compare the demos to the original Blow My Fuse. And it's not really all that different. You know, there are some arrangement peculiarities, but other than that, you know, it's in the same ballpark. And so, so my idea was to, you know, let, let Bo put his stamp of, you know, his expertise in mixing and his signature sound on a record that was probably supposed to be Bo's anyways, from what I understand. And so, um, so I, w- I wanted it to sound better. Um, I wanted it to sound more raw, like the demos sounded. And, you know, and over the years, being in the band for so long, you know, I had heard this you know, the backstory from each individual person and pieces over, you know, 15 years of being in the band. And it would always be like, yeah, that sounds great. God, I wish I could, you know, like you were saying, Eddie, like, God, I wish I could change this. So now we have the opportunity to change everything and make it sound like a, a, you know, it's a super hard hitting mix that Bo put on it. And it, it just, it sounds amazing. And so having that opportunity, and one of the things I did tell Bo was that, um, you know, I wanted him to have, as much creative licenses as, as, as he enjoys uh, working by himself. I said, if you find anything on those tracks and they're interesting and they weren't on the original, and if you like them, then feel free to leave them in there. And you can hear on some of the songs, there's some guitar solos that, that weren't on the original, just some little silly bits here and there. And, um, you know, he did find some things that were, that were gold that were on there that, you know, Brian and Ronnie listened to. Oh, I forgot all about that. So, you know, it was sort of a, a reawakening uh, in a sense where those guys go, Oh, I forgot about this. I remember that. That was so great. I'm so glad that's there now. And so, so, so the mission for me was to sort of make that record sound the way that, that I know it could sound. The stuff was all there. It just needed a, a, a really hard mix on it. And, you know, it just needed some more power and some of the reverb stripped away and some of the echoes and, you know, a lot of the things that the guys didn't like. And, and me personally, as a bass player, you know, I, I had to learn all these songs over the years, and I, I oftentimes have trouble hearing the bass on Kicks records. And I told Bo, I said, look, man, you got to turn that bass up. We need to hear what that bass player was doing, what Donnie was doing, because he was, you know, a great bass player, and he had he played with intent. And now you can actually hear the bass on this record. And, and for me as a bass player and, you know, on Donnie's behalf, that makes me pretty happy. I like that idea. And, it's it, you know, it adds to the sound of the record. But that was the that was my idea going into the project and knowing that I could 
knowing that I could get a hold of those tapes and multi-track and having conversations with Bo about what he thought about them and, and what he wanted to do. And, and then sort of taking the mixes and springing it on the guys, you know, Hey, what do you think of this? You know? And, uh, but that was, that was my mission to just, you know, make it sound the way that, that to, to its full potential is really what I had in mind. And that's the first thing that jumps out about it from me when I hear it. Well, clearly a bass player was had a role in the production of this thing because <laughs> the bottom end is way heavier and louder. But you're right, it sounds way better. It sounds way thicker, and, there is, and there's more bottom to it. You talk about these little nuggets that you found in the mix. Correct me if I'm wrong. I listened to this through. The beginning of the song, Blow My Fuse, when, Steve, when you guys are all sort of like talking and, and all that off mic, isn't the, is that much, is that longer? Is there more to it on here? Yeah, yeah, a slightly bit more. And that was all premeditated. That would make it sound like, oh, let's just see what the guys are doing. We, we thought about that. We had this, this idiot roadie who, who he, he came to the studio with us every day, and we would feed him. That's about all we did. <laughs> and we, 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 we said, do something stupid. And he, he ran as hard as he could into a music stand and fell over it and, that, and made this big racket and made us all laugh. So that's the beginning of Blow My Fuse. <laughs> well, there's the story there. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Steve and Mark from Kicks on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, let me tell you guys about Robinhood. It's an investing app and it lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commercial free. Robinhood strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy to digest way. There is no commission, cost, or fees, folks. Other brokerages, they can charge up to $10 for every trade. But Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. That's right. And you can learn to invest as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks. You can track favorite companies with personalized newsfeed, custom notifications for price movements, so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at trunk.robinhood.com. That's trunk, T-R-U-N-K, dot robinhood.com. Once again, trunk.robinhood.com. Sign up today. Podcast One is your one-stop shop for everything TV and pop culture. A very candid, not even supposed to be on the record conversation. Check out any of the Collider Network podcasts like TV Talk, Movie Talk, Collider Live, and more. And for you reality TV fans, Rob Sister Nino's got you covered with Rob Has a Podcast. This is a podcast There's no substance. about nothing. <laughs> yeah. You literally have a podcast about nothing. Check out the Collider Network and Rob Has a Podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey. Hey there, diehards. Here are some football facts even you might not know about. Like the first football game was played in 1869. In an average game, the ball is typically in play for only 11 minutes or so. And finally, pizza consumption rates go up during the week of a big game. Okay, you probably knew that last one. Well, here's another fact you might not know that's actually really useful, especially if you plan on tailgating. And that is that True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get back to more with Steve and Mark from Kicks on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. 
And, and Steve, uh, you know, Mark just talked about his mission statement with Bo and what he wanted to do with this record. Did what, what are now that you have heard this remix? I mean, uh, how involved were you in you in the process in terms of saying, yeah, that's cool? And I mean, what are your thoughts about hearing a whole different polish on this thing 30 years later? I take no credit for this whatsoever. Everything, everything that's on this record was between uh, Mark and Bo and Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy has a very good ear. Jimmy Schaaf on our drummer. Um, but when I listened to it for the first time, uh, it, it was my my analogy is it's like it's like getting cataracts removed. I mean, it just opened the whole the whole thing up. Where it, it's crystal clear. It's got it's got all this power and bottom. You can actually hear the vocals for the first time, every word. So I just thought Bo did an incredible job, and Mark did it. Mark has been like the spark to this band since he's joined it. So you know, I, I I'm just happy as hell with it, and and proud that he's with us. Were there any songs that you recorded for Blow My Fuse that didn't make it onto the record? Were there some extra tracks laying around at all? No. we. That's one thing we did. When we made those demos, we would work weeks, weeks on one song. So we knew, we pretty much knew what was going to be laid down. That's why uh, when Tom Mormon was picked as producer, we thought, well, you can't ruin this because it's pretty much done. We just got to re-record our, our demo. Yeah, and in the liner notes here in the booklet, it says something about now this version of, of Blow My Fuse, it's not the lowest sounding album in anybody's collection anymore. And, you know, I noticed that because having done radio my my whole life, including at the time the original record came out, but over the years and more recent years, when you you, you uh, play something from the original record, you got to push the fader up a little bit higher than, than everybody's uh, everybody else's record, even stuff yeah, that came true. out at that time. And I don't know what that was. Was that just uh, at the time? not a good mastering job i have no idea but i always notice that too when i when i uh, when i work on my voice and i would stick that cd in to, to sing along with it and i'd always have to crank it because it wasn't loud enough mm. well i'll tell you i man- heard a story about that from jimmy and ronnie that they had gone up to uh to get the thing mastered and the mastering engineer just sort of walked out of the room and just let it run and came <laughs> back in and said okay that's it and they were like really so <laughs> You know, sure, Donnie didn't piss him off. It was a secondary record, and it wasn't all that important at the time. So oh, um, man. that's how it ended up not sounding very loud, but it's pretty loud right now. Yeah, I can't imagine that mastering engineer still has a job if he's just walking out of <laughs> Let the tape <laughs> just pass. It'll be fine. That's as, as told to me by Ronnie and Jimmy, who went up for the mastering gig, so. Oh, man. And uh, the final thing about this is that you guys have, I know at M3, this past M3, which you guys play every year, and I'm assuming since, you've been playing the album in its entirety. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's turned out really well since it was the biggest record of our lives, and most anybody who who has a Kicks record, it's that one. So we thought it would be... Again, this was Mark's whole. He he throws this concept at us. Let's play the whole album. I'm like, you out of your mind? I don't want to play that whole album. That's that stuff's hard. <laughs> so after working on it for a couple of months and getting my voice back up to to where I could do all that stuff, it, it's just been it's been a great response. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's worked out very well. And and obviously it promotes you know having the new the new Fuse Thirty out and available, and so it all coincided very well. Nice campaign. So for people like I'm going to see on Saturday in Tulsa, for people coming to IDL, they're going to hear Blow My Fuse start to finish and then, of course, some other songs. That's the plan? Yep, that's the plan. And yep. and Mark, I noticed that um, you don't you didn't play – you didn't punch in and play anything on this, did you? Because in the credits, you're listed along with Donnie on bass, but is that just because you're in the band now, or did you actually contribute some bass to, the, to this in some way? No, I would never – never violate uh the sanctity of a of a classic record like that that thought would never even occur to me the the i would never um play on somebody else's parts just to because it wouldn't suit anybody the only thing that would something like that would do is feed my own ego which i'd, I'd like to think i don't have very much of one but um that would that, that wouldn't be fair to anybody the fans wouldn't like that and donnie wouldn't like that and if i were the original bass player, I wouldn't like it either. So I definitely didn't do any of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the, the record label, uh, when we were doing the liner notes and everything, um, Madeline insisted that she's like, well, your name has to be on here because you're in the band. So that's basically the only reason my name is listed right there. And it does say 
Donnie Purnell original recordings. So that, right, which is what way. led me to think that on this recording maybe you contributed. That's the way no, actually because no, no, that no. says that. So I wouldn't dare do such a thing. That would be just sacrilege. I couldn't imagine doing something like that. I yeah, so, you know who didn't get that memo a number of years ago? Sharon Osbourne <laughs> when she let uh, yeah, I know. let the sacrilege mess with Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake on the first two records. And thankfully I that's did been get corrected. The memo, though she did not, unfortunately. But I understand. <laughs> thank thank goodness somebody's got some uh some ethics and for for what came before them that's that's nice to see so all right well everybody check out the uh, blow my fuse 30th anniversary on loud and proud more information on the band kicks uh at kicks the band at kicks band at kicks the band on twitter uh at kicks band on instagram uh, facebook official kicks all the information that you want about what these guys are doing. And, you know, this show is broadcast throughout the U.S. and Canada. I know that the band has been very active for the last 15 years. I see you guys all the time, and I always look forward to it. But I hear from people all the time. They're like, wow, whatever happened to those guys? They're doing stuff again. So for you guys that have been living under a rock, Kix has been out there incredibly active touring and playing and even made a great new record a number of years ago. You guys thought about another new record? Yeah, Thinking. that's always yeah. on the on the table. We're, we <laughs> talk, you know, there's no reason why not to. That's that's the big thing. It's like there's no there's no impediments. There's no blockages. It's not like we don't we can't write songs. We showed that on the last record. Um, so that yeah, act, we're, we're that actually was, was sure. the, that was the thought this year until Mark come up with this whole campaign of let's relaunch, blow my fuse, and let's you know let's uh, let's celebrate this record with our fans and go out and play the whole thing and redo it. So, uh, but we were talking about a new record before that whole concept. So, uh, yeah, I would say definitely. Well, if if, if people, if you slept on rock your face off, it really, I'll tell you the one thing about that record I like a lot is it's, it's grown really well. Like you guys have, you guys, guys always put, you know, some songs in the set from it. It's, it's, uh, it now feels like as much classic kicks as, as blow my fuse. I mean, it really does. I think you guys have done a great job with that record and the way you've continued to represent it in the live shows. There's a lot of artists that make new music and they'll play one song while the record's out for a month and then that's it. It's buried. You never hear it again but it sits nicely with the kicks catalog now i think yeah we like i agree with you we worked hard on them i agree with you for sure they do they 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 stack up nicely well guys look i'll see you on saturday in tulsa i know you've never been to that venue but i do a lot of stuff there and it's a fun a fun spot and we're gonna have a good time there on saturday any other shows you want to mention before i let you go (laughs) i don't know where we're at We're playing Houston on Thursday night at the uh, Proof Rooftop Lounge. Another great spot. Bo Hill is coming out to see us on on Thursday. He's driving up from Austin to see us. So uh, if anybody wants to meet Bo, he's going to be in Houston on Thursday with us. Is he still still active, Mark, in producing and working on music? He is. He does a lot of stuff. He's, he's, you know, he's not one of those guys that's a self-promoter. He'll just, you know, do things that he gets contracted for and that he likes. You know, he he's he's he always talks about how he has the freedom to work on stuff that he really is interested in now. And so, you know, he does a lot of mixing and a lot of producing and, you know, he still has time to take vacations to Africa and him and I actually go diving together quite a bit. So um, so he's yeah, he's still very active. I'd love to uh, somewhere down the line. I'm going to see if you can connect me with them because I love talking to producers and getting their stories. And I've had some great ones on this show. I mean, I've had Ezra on. I've had Bob Rock. I've had a bunch of great, Eddie Kramer, a bunch of uh, legendary guys. So I'd love to talk to him. It'd be great to have him on one of these days. I could tell you that he, Bo Hilla is absolutely one of the funniest men alive. He should have been a stand-up comedian. Wouldn't you second that notion, Steve? That's why I said we had the most the most fun ever making a record with him because we laughed so hard our stomachs hurt every day. Yeah, Kip He's Winger. So funny. Kip Winger has always said to me too. You got you can have Bo Hill on. You have a blast with Bo Hill. So we got to yeah, make that, that happen for sure. One of these days. We'll ask him about. It. We'll talk to him about it when we see him. All right, t- put we'll a word up. Put a word in with his people. My people will call his people, and you know how that works. And you know, <laughs> big time show business here. 
<laughs> Listen, right. guys, great to talk to you. I'll see you on Saturday in Tulsa at the IDL. Everybody check out Blow My Fuse, 30th anniversary edition. It truly does sound great. I'm always, as a rock fan, I'm always afraid. Not, not afraid. I love when people do this, but you're always, as I said, your fans were conditioned. We have heard something the same way for so long. It's like, oh, you know, are they going to mess it up? You guys didn't mess it up at all. And the original version is still always available. That's my other thing, too. I have no problem when people want to go in and do remixes of stuff, as long as the original version still exists for people who want that as well. And that's obviously still the case. But I really do think it sounds incredible. I've listened to it a couple times. And uh, and congrats on this 30 years later. And, uh, man, if you guys haven't seen Kicks in a while, get out there. They are still kicking ass, doing some great shows. Good to talk to you both. I'll see you this weekend. Thanks, Eddie. Look forward to seeing you. Well, a lot of fun talking to Steve Whiteman and Mark Shanker of Kicks, and check out the special edition of Kicks Blow My Fuse, 30th anniversary edition, which is available now. Also includes a bonus disc of the band's original demos. So very cool packaging and a very cool uh, punched up version of that classic album. And be sure to have a listen to it and uh, check it out wherever you get music these days. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I'll see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode. Always free. PodcastOne.com or iTunes. And remember to visit me at EddieTrunk.com. All my appearances are on the homepage. Also, Twitter, where I am most active, at Eddie Trunk. Instagram, at Eddie Trunk. Fan page on Facebook, also at Eddie Trunk. And be sure to listen to me every day on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Channel 106, Volume, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, Trunk Nation on Channel 106, Volume, where we talk rock with you, Monday through Friday live. And also, extra show on Mondays, those will resume next Monday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern on Channel 39. The syndicated FM radio show is there for you. Like I said, this podcast, be shooting new episodes of Trunk Fest for season two on access tv that is coming soon a lot of good stuff going on and of course if you're in los angeles come see me next thursday for the next trunk nation la invasion that's november 29th at the rainbow bar and grill in los angeles come on down and join us it should be a lot of fun it always is live on sirius xm volume from 6 to 8 p.m pacific time free to get in hope to see you if you are in la next thursday thanks for listening to the eddie trunk podcast and i'll catch you guys again next week and again for everybody in the u.s happy happy thanksgiving producer and my best friend alexis linkletter and we are so excited that we are finally launching our true crime podcast called the first degree right here on podcast one and each week we are going to bring you the craziest true crime stories and talk to the people who are one degree away from each of these crazy events and we've dragged crime journalist billy jensen along for the ride and he can't get rid of us Join us on The First Degree every Wednesday on PodcastOne.com and the PC1 app. Also remember to rate and review.
Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.